0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I love my church. Say, I love my church. Now, in week one, we talked about the importance of seeing our connection to the divine. Uh, this connection that we have, and I use this example. I thought this was uh, kind of cool. Pastor Chris down at the campus in Florida, he had he had this story, and he was telling me, and I was like, "Dude, that's such a great analogy of of what it is to link up with God." And he said, "You ever been on a, a plane trip, and when you start out?" They usually have the uh, flight attendant up at the front and they're talking about the the different safety protocol and things like that. Most of you are probably, you know, have some music going or you're on your iPhone or your tablet or something. But they they say at one point that if the the cabin pressure changes, that what might happen? What might drop down in front of you? Anyone? A mask. And what do they say? Who's the first person you should put the mask on? Yourself. Yourself. I always thought was kind of interesting, but they say, put the mask on yourself first. And then if you have a small child or there's someone near you that needs help, go ahead and take care of them. Why? It might seem selfish at first, but it makes you better equipped to help others. And so last week we talked about worship. We talked about this divine connection because I truly believe that in the same manner, it's important that we understand this connection that we have to God before we can become equipped to help others. Now, again, the kingdom of God is other-centered. But if we don't understand our connection, if we don't understand our source, if we don't understand that that life force from the divine that we have first, it becomes really hard. And a lot of times what we end up doing is we end up doing things out of our own flesh, self-effort, trying to work hard for the kingdom, when actually it should be something that we're inspired from the inside to do on the out. Does that make sense? And so we talked about this idea because... Once we establish our true source, that true source of our life and our identity, we talk about that a lot here, what happens is it sets us up in a better place for community. Say community. And so last week was all about worship. This week is I love my church because it's the place for community. Say community again. It's so important. Uh, You know, what is community? Well, I mean, a basic definition is this. It's a unified body of individuals. Now, did you catch the word unified there? Sometimes I look around at church or just any organization, and you're like, where's the unity? Where's the love? Where's the coming together in this? But the whole idea of community is a unified body. I see this word unified. And then I see the word individual. Say individual. I love that it's made up of individual See, unified doesn't mean that we're all exactly the same. Now, unfortunately, in religion or religious organizations, we've often, depending on what box that we live in, what theology we have, what denomination we come from, we tend to try to make everyone look the same, look just like that particular theology or denomination. Have you noticed this? Now, again, I believe this is done with good intention, It's interesting how many different, since Martin Luther, you know, over 500 years ago now, uh, you know, the Protestant church just removed itself from the Catholic church, which I love my Catholic brothers and sisters. It's where it all began. Amen. And I know that in every church, in all through history, the church, let me say this, all through history, many things have been done in the name of God that are wrong. Come on. We can admit to that. It's what happens when man-made religion gets involved. But you think about all these different denominations and these different things that we have. Do you know there's over 40,000 denominations? And I love what, I think I first heard this from Jamie or Jake, a couple of good friends of mine, they actually speak here as well. But they said it's like we have 40,000 Jesuses running around. In other words, your version of what Jesus is. And what I found is that we should respect and honor where people are. Because a lot of times what happens is, <laughs> this is the funny thing, and what I'm getting to, I guess my main point is, when a new denomination or, or a flow of Holy Spirit happens, a lot of times what happens is we stop there, we make monuments, we build temples around it, and we say, we finally arrived. How many times does this happen in history? And so when you think that you have arrived, you're no longer open for anything new. And in fact, what happens is someone gets a new revelation or they're growing. How many know this, that the journey with with God should be uh, ever growing? To use a term that some of you might not be familiar with in churches, think about this. We all live out of our consciousness, right? And so it's about moving to new levels and higher levels of consciousness, being more aware that there's more going on and there's more there. Now, a lot of times you use words like that. People are like, whoa, is that new age? Is that, you know, think about this, the word meditation, you know, people go, you, 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 and you don't want to meditate. That's what, that's what those new age people do. Didn't God say to meditate? Maybe we should meditate a little bit more on his goodness. Come on. And so don't, don't be afraid of, of growth. Growth is important because, again, what happens is we can stop, build monuments and, and temples, and we stay there, and we say we finally arrived without realizing that none of us have ever arrived. It's an ever-growing journey of revelation, and I think it's beautiful. And when you get to that place, is it a little bit scary? Sometimes, yes. Because as soon as you have, as soon as Holy Spirit inspires you on a new idea or a new path that seems different, the first thing that happens, you go, whoa. That's not what everyone I know believes. And you start to freak out because people throw words like heresy around like that. And and in social media, you got keyboard warriors. As soon as you, you can post something like, man, God is so loving, man. I just, the revelation of his love is so amazing to me. People have to get on there for some reason and tell you, yeah, but just let people enjoy the revelation and where they are on the journey. But also celebrate where people are. I think it takes all different parts and pieces to do this together. But think about this, we're all different, we're individuals, but it's also about the corporate. I think about the the human body, and I love that the Apostle Paul compares the body of Christ to really the human physical body. Think about this, how many have hands? Let me see your hands. Praise God, right? How many have feet? Let me see your feet. How many have flat feet? I'll raise both hands. Not fun. How many have a great arch? You guys can leave now. No, just kidding. (laughs) You know, what's interesting is hands and feet are super important. And would you say that the hands and feet on your body are part of your body? But I'm going to say they do, they do different things. But see, they do different things, but they also work together. Like this morning, I got up, you know, I used the facilities, I walked into the kitchen, and one of the first things I do is I make coffee. My feet took me there, and my hands did the work. While the foot tapped, just waiting for that luscious caffeine to come out of that coffee pot, right? So my hands and feet, they do different things, they have different purposes, but the beauty of it is they work together to do more. And that's really what the body is like. That's what it's like to be in community. It's the same with the church, I believe. We don't want cookie cutter humans and cookie cutter Christians, at least here we don't. I love when people have a, a revelation of something different or they see something different, we can talk about it. And even at the end, they agree to disagree. That, that's, that's so beautiful. You know, I often think about that. It's like, man, God, I mean, how is this all going to end up? Because we all have these different ideas. And, and the more that I grow in His love, I realize that I don't have to worry so much about that. Listen, we are where we are in the journey, and you shouldn't look, on, look down on someone because they're at a different phase in the journey or you're in a different place than they are, we we should celebrate the revelation that we have in those moments. So we don't want cookie-cutter humans. We don't want cookie-cutter Christians. We want each human living out their God-given purpose and identity, but aware that while they're doing this, we're doing it together because we're unified because we're a community. Say community. I do believe that this is something that has been lost. I usually put it like this, it's a lost art, communication, community, being together, especially in our current society, kind of where we are, you know, in a country like the United States of America and other Western cultures where there's a freedom, it becomes so much about the individual that we forget about the communal. And what I've seen, if you look at the early churches, the early church was all about community. It was all about doing things together. And so it's important that we understand this, that first, yes, what do we do? We recognize that there, there is a God, there is this divine connection, this source that we have in life. It's always been there. We've always had open invitation to awaken to that, but sometimes it takes some time on the journey to realize that, but then we grow in that. And as we do, we then hook into a community. It's so important. And so Paul tells us this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 20. He says, Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone. Now, I want you to key on in this next sentence. This is really powerful. It says, in him, in who? In Jesus Christ. Look at this. Each separate piece. Say, "Separate separate piece. Say, I'm a separate piece. Look at this. When properly fitted and joined together into its place, what happens? It's growth transpires. Look at this. Grows together into a temple consecrated to God. You're all part of this building. Did you catch that word all? You're all part of this um, building in which God himself lives by his spirit. Now, I often say this, that we're the temple of Holy Spirit, but I believe that Paul's even had a deeper revelation that we are the temple of Holy Spirit. We all have the the connection to the divine but there's something powerful that happens when we connect together when we're not at odds with each other and we have unity of faith the bible says right unity of we can even say trust we trust god doesn't mean all our theology lines up it's never going to happen just not we think differently we see differently we're all on different journeys There are some main tenets of faith we tend to believe to say, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus because of these things. But listen, all our theology is not going to line up all the time 100%, right? And Pete says this, I say this, you hear this all the time, that friendship can't happen only if there's total agreement. Because if that's the case, then you'd never have any relationship with anyone ever. You know, I usually say that with my wife, Kristen. We have different ideas about different things. We just do. But we're still married. If, if, if we had to have agreement on 100% of things, we wouldn't be married anymore. Come on, husbands and wives, right? And so it's important to see that relationship or friendship isn't based on total agreement. It's based on saying we're in this together. We are properly fitted and joined together, which brings growth. Look at this. I love this. It grows together in a temple consecrated to God. Now, what's consecrated mean? It just means this. Devoted exclusively to a particular purpose. And I would say that purpose is the kingdom. So if we're about the kingdom, we're about bringing love to this world, we're about bringing hope and change to this world, listen, our theology doesn't have to line up perfectly, but we're in agreement that we have the hope, we have the peace, we have the joy that the world's looking for, so let's do this together. And I love that Paul, look how he starts this out. He says, Jesus Christ himself is the what? What's it say there? Cornerstone. Now, I worked construction for years, and so I've seen all different phases of it. I, I, I've seen, you know, from the foundation on up. And it's amazing how far we've come in technology, in tools. They make it, I mean, it goes faster, uh, even better in, in some respects. But you've got to understand that Paul, in this time, you know, 2,000-some years ago, was writing a letter to a church in Ephesus and he was describing something that they would at least understand. And that's when you were building some type of masonry foundation, you started with the cornerstone. They would even refer to it as the foundation stone. And so the idea was this was the very first stone that was set to build a foundation. Now what's really important about this cornerstone is that this had to be perfect. It had to be right. Because every other stone that was set after that first stone was set in correlation to and in reference to the first stone. And Paul's saying that Jesus is the cornerstone. This is the place where we begin. This is the reference point, if you will, that we have for living a kingdom life. And so it would determine the position of the entire structure. See, I said this earlier, a lot of times we'll, we'll take some theology or, or denominational thinking and we'll stop and we'll build up on that. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 those are just bits and pieces of revelation I'm giving you to help you grow. But I am the cornerstone. I am the reference point for everything. Listen, if, if you go through the Bible you study, bring Jesus with you as your reference point. Because when you do, it changes how you see things. And you'll actually see that, wow, that person wasn't seeing things clearly. I mean, doesn't Paul say that, you know, we see through a glass darkly, that it's a slow revelation process? Isn't it true that when Jesus came, he showed us the ultimate heart of who God was and the Father? And so how many know that we're in a process? And we're growing together. You know, one of the things that I have, um, it's probably not the top thing on what you would call a bucket list, but one thing I... I'd love to do, and I've never done this for some reason. I've even been somewhere in the area, but I'd love to see the redwood trees. Has anyone here ever seen the redwoods? Anyone? Two people, three people. You guys are, you guys are awesome. What, what's that? Yeah? Well, I mean, these redwoods are amazing. In fact, we have a picture. This, this is awesome. There's a picture where they actually carve out tunnels, and, and there's a car driving through This tree, this is how massive these trees are. Isn't that awesome? I'd love to drive through one of those. But you know that the last time that I had checked into this, the tallest tree on record, as far as a redwood was concerned, was over 380 feet tall. That's pretty tall. That's like over 35, 37 stories tall. I mean, think about a... Just think of any building that's over 25 or 30 stories. That's pretty massive, This is a tree, not a building. This is a tree. Now, I started thinking about this because if if you think about a massive structure, say, you know, I mean, back in the day it was tough to see, but now about every TV show has some drone footage of a city, say New York, and, and you see these massive buildings. And I think about the fact that if I'm in that building, there better be a really strong, deep foundation underneath it. And so it got me thinking, of course, I kind of dig and I want to look into stuff. You know that the average foundation for a skyscraper is 100 feet deep. In fact, there's a skyscraper in Taiwan. Get this, the foundation is 262 feet deep. Foundation. Makes sense though, right? I mean, if I'm on the... some of these things have hundreds of floors. If I'm at the 120th floor and the wind starts blowing, I'm like, whoa, what's going on here, guys? I don't think I want to be up here anymore, right? I, mean, I don't have an issue with heights, but if I'm that high, I want to have some firm foundation. And so they, they dig deep with the foundation. But think about this. These redwood trees, almost 400 feet tall, but yet they have a shallow root system that usually only goes about six feet deep. So how are they still standing? That amazes me. And so you dig a little bit deeper, and you realize, you know what? Their roots don't grow deep, but they spread out wide. Not only that, when they encounter another redwood's roots, they mesh together. I want you to check out this picture. This is so cool. might be tough to see, but there's two redwoods, and look at the root system. Look how it's all meshed together. It's like they, they, they found this system like, hey, buddy, can you help me out? Yeah, dude, you help me out, I'll help you out because I'm only going six feet deep and I'm about 320 feet high, can you help me out? Oh, yeah, and so they intertwine. As soon as they go, oh, there's a friend, there's someone else, what do they do? They intertwine their roots. See, this is what the church should be. This is what the body of Christ should be. Whether you're 10 foot tall or you've been growing for a while and you're 380 feet tall, We still need each other. Because we need to be, first of all, the Apostle Paul tells us, rooted and grounded in love. But there's something about connection. There's something about community meshing together. That's the success of the redwood trees. They don't stand alone. They're, if you want to use Paul's terminology, fitted and joined together with other trees like themselves. So just like the great redwood trees, we need others to help us on our journey. We can't do this alone. You know, I've heard people say things like, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I, I know what they're saying. I know what they mean by that. And let's be honest, I mean, do you know what the word Christian means? It means Christ-like. So then I look at the, 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 the life of Jesus, the life of Christ, and I see a person who actually was part of community, who welcomed every, any and everyone to community with him. So, in essence, to be Christ-like, yeah, you do need to be part of the church. You do need to take your place in that, in that church. Now, again, this is just a building. How many know we're in a building? we got four beautiful walls. we got a cross up there representing Jesus, some different things, religious icons. That's all good. That's all great. But it needs to go outside of the four walls. How many would agree with that? For me, Sunday mornings are extremely important because there's always someone looking for connection with God. And they think that he lives in a building on Main Street or on Center Street or on First Street in their local neighborhood. If I want to find God, I go to this building. Now, the beauty of that is we can capitalize on that, say, yeah, this is a great meeting place where we celebrate the love of God. We learn together, we journey together, but then together as a community, we go into the outside community and bring the kingdom. And so I believe that the church is important. I believe that the church is extremely valid. And I know that the stats show that there's more and more people leaving The church, if you really dig into it deep, though, they're just leaving organized religion. They're leaving these ideas that don't seem to be fulfilling. They're not leaving God. I think what they're leaving is the lack of the kingdom. Because if you have a community that's close-knit, that accepts people right where they are, that helps them on this journey to grow, why would you ever leave a place like that? Now, if you go somewhere and they look down their nose at you, or they say you're not ticking all the boxes, you're not following all the theology that we think you should follow, well, I can see why someone would leave. How about you? And maybe you should. Just saying. See, I, I, don't, I don't freak out about these stats. And I know some pastors do, but I see it differently. I believe that people are looking for something real and genuine. It's not an organizational thing. We talked about last week, it's an organism thing. The church is a living organism and it takes all of us together, connecting together to make it happen. It's called community. And when we're fitted and joined together in the body of Christ, there's two things that I believe happen. Number one, we don't fall over in the winds of trial. It doesn't mean we don't stumble. It doesn't mean we don't have issues. But isn't it so much better to have someone there by your side when you're going through adversity in life? I think about so many situations that I've gone through personally in my own life, even more recent with the loss of my brother, 45 years old. I mean, that's just, it's just, it's, I still can't wrap my head around it. I think I'm still in denial stage sometimes. But I I really, truly don't know how people get through situations like that without community, without connection. I believe it helps us so much. And so when we go through trial, when we go through loss, when we go through pain, we have a community we can trust in who's invested in this, invested in us. And sometimes it's not having all the answers. I think sometimes that's that's where we kind of veer it as a church, trying to have an answer for everything i got to have a scripture verse and a reference to just prove everything. Some things you just can't figure out, man. Some things you're, you're just not going to have an answer until eternity. That's okay. At the end of the day, I know that God loves me more than anyone or anything ever could. I know that His grace is sufficient. I know that, that God will never leave me and never forsake me. These are things that I trust in. I might not understand why things happen and how things happen, but that's okay. That's where faith comes in. It's trust, right? So number one, we don't fall over in the winds of trial. We have a support system. Number two, we build a strong community that lives out the kingdom of God in this world. See, this this place at 806 Main Street is super important because it's a place where we can come together we can grow together, we can worship together, we can learn together, but we also can find out your place and your part, what resources, what, you know, cause here's the thing. When, when, when a preacher talks about going to church, it's expected, right? Like, of course you want us to go to church, man. I mean, you want more people, you want more volunteers, you want more money. I'll be honest with you. That's, that's not me. I mean, more people, more volunteers and more money are great because you can do more. But I'm just telling you right now that, like, this pastor label thing is not my identity. Numbers of people in seats. The only thing that might bother me is when I see the same six people having to do the same stuff every single Sunday and possibly they could face burnout. That bothers me more than anything when I know that there's plenty of capable people. Because we have, you know, probably 50 people show up on a Sunday, an average. But you know that if you really look at who comes to this church and calls a church, it's probably 100 to 125 people that call Face City their home. Where are they? Uh-oh, pastors get, hey, you know, I'm loving, man. I'm, I'm all about that. But sometimes we just have to be honest and say, what are we doing this for? Are we in this together? Now, if it's your first time here, this is family business, it's all good. If you decide you wanna hook in, listen, we're a loving church. We're not gonna grill you about stuff. But sometimes you, you look at things and you think, why is it just the same 50 people? It's because we're not understanding what the church is all about. We think it's a Sunday morning experience and then we go home and live our real life. But this is a life experience. It's a kingdom life that we live not just here, but in the world, but this is a great place where we come together, we learn together, we grow together so that we then can go into the world with these new ideas and, and a greater sense of purpose in our lives. I think it's important that we see this. Look what Paul says in Ephesians 4. He says, instead, we will speak the truth in love. And I, I love this because um, a lot of times we believe we're speaking the truth, but there's no love present. Right? Right? It's like, come on, Paul, you you got, there's something so much deeper here. When you speak the truth, you speak it not through love, not because of love, but in love. Like literally everything we say, doesn't mean I've perfected this all the time, but everything we say, it literally is birthed out of love. that will change how and what you say. Can I get an amen? But look at this. We will speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. Come on now. More and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Who makes the body fit together perfectly? Christ. Here we go. The cornerstone, the, 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 the center point of everything, the reference point for everything. Look at this. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing. And I love this last statement. Full of love. Isn't that powerful? Listen to this in the mirror translation. Just listen. I don't have it up on the screens. I saw this this morning. I thought I'm going to add this in because I'm the pastor and I can. But listen to this. From him, Jesus, flows the original composition and detail of our design like words entwined in poetry. I love this because the Greek word means like a conductor of music. Listen to this. Like words words entwined in poetry, they connect layer upon layer to complete the harmony, following the rhythm of his thoughts like footprints. Meanwhile, the body thrives and pulsates with the energy of love. Each individual expression finds its complete measure there. There's this quote by the late Rob Lacey, who was an actor, a a writer, and a poet. He says, the church is not a dismembered, dysfunctional body, but get this, a fully functional, coordinated lover of people. See, if people could see the church like this, let me say this, if people could experience the church like this, fully functional, coordinated lovers of people, come on somebody. Why wouldn't you want to be part of that? And maybe it's just my experience, but in my life, the love of God has changed everything. Everything. How I see God, how I see myself, how I see others. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. We're coordinated lovers of people. But see, to be coordinated, it means more than one. It means all of us together working together. See, I love my church because it's the place for community. Amen? You know, what I found over the years is Even in my own life, the experience I've had is those who are planted in a local church, connected to others, understanding that life is about community and connection, they're some of the healthiest, most stable, and fruitful humans I know. But see, on the other side, those who just bounce all over, I mean, this isn't just in the church life, this is just, I mean, in life in general, and you never quite get rooted in other-centered relationships. They seem to have a life that reflects instability and confusion. No sense of fulfillment and purpose. You know, Jim Carrey made this statement once. He says, "I wish everyone could get rich and famous and everything they ever dreamed of, so they can see that that's not the answer." See, Jim's still making you laugh, Morris. But it's true. You know, I I, I love podcasts. I love reading. I love books. I love listening to stuff. And and I see so many people who have what we call arrived. Yet when they get there, it's kind of like lackluster. It's like, this is what I was striving for? You know, Pete, we had that series. We preached a couple different times about love. And we have the foundation of love. And on the other side, we have the pyramid. Remember, Pete, it was built on self. And, And at the top of the pyramid, You know, on one side, it was all about that relationship and kingdom and being together and doing things together. But at the top of self, it was all about, I've arrived. It's about me. It's about achieving my goals. But the thing is, when you get there, you're kind of like, what? This is all there is? Now, I get it. For people like us, we're like, well, then give me your money. And give me your stuff. And let me make sure that you're right. But it's because we don't have it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money. Right? You can have money, but money shouldn't have you. Nothing wrong with stuff. You can have stuff, but stuff shouldn't have you. We get that. We've heard that since my dad's preached 30 years ago about that. Right, But the important thing to see is that sometimes... We think if we build our own thing, we work really hard on our own thing, and when you trans- transition this into religion, it becomes about me pleasing God and doing all these things and, and, you know, ticking the boxes, jumping the hurdles and getting through the hoops to prove myself to Him. And that's not what it's about. It's us working together to show the world the love of God. That's why we're doing do an expo this weekend. That's why we do it. We want people to see the love of God, and they can only see it through us. I believe that's why the psalmist David wrote this. He said, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. And then the writer of Hebrews says this, our final scripture, but this is so important. And we've heard this before. Listen to this. And let's not ignore assembling together. That word ignore means to refuse, to take notice or acknowledge, to disregard intentionally. Do not, or let us not ignore assembling together as some people do, But look at this. Why are we being together? Why are we coming together? Why are we here together in this place? To encourage one another. And he goes on to say, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Things written at a time 2,000 years ago for specific reasons. But I think it still applies to us today, doesn't it? This assembling together, this being together. Now, again, I've said this before And I think this is something that you would expect from a pastor. We need you at church. We need you at church. But it's for different reasons than you think. You know, the one thing I've seen in those who have basically achieved everything and found it kind of unfulfilling at the top, do you know what they've actually done instead once they get there? They started to give of themselves. Do you know that science is now proving that as a, as a species, as human beings, when you give of yourself, listen to this, when you give of yourself, science is showing this, it literally brings fulfillment to your life. But see, we've been, we've been fed a lie that if you give of yourself, then you'll have no more to go around. What, what about you? What about you? Me, me, me. That's the culture, right? It's consumerism. But the kingdom isn't about that. It's other centered. But what we think is, okay, Jesus, I'll just, I'll give it all up for you. I'll have nothing. I'll be so unfilled. No, 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 no. You will be completely fulfilled when you give of yourself. Just spend some time in a soup kitchen or at a food pantry or, you know, giving away waters on a hot day or working at the expo, uh, all these different things. You ever notice how good you feel inside when you do something like that, when you give of yourself? Sometimes we have to get through the mental idea that, well, if I give of myself, then what about me? It all circles around. There's fulfillment built in. So as a church, we need you. We really want to be your home church. I believe we have a lot to offer, starting with this divine connection, awakening to that, and realizing that you have a father who loves you dearly. You're a dearly loved child, developing your identity in that, but not stopping there. Growing to this place where you realize, wow, this personal relationship is awesome. How many know it starts at the personal level? But man, it opens up into this whole world of community. Whereas we know more and more of who we are, we begin to discover our purpose and we realize, wait, wait, I can't hold on to this. This isn't just about me. This is about others. I've seen it in many of your lives around here. It has radically changed you. And if I were to ask you, you would honestly say, I am so much more fulfilled than I've ever been. And I'm always looking for ways that I can give. I can give back. I can pursue people to give. I'm telling you, that's what the love of God does. Like I said before, we live in a culture today where it's consumerism, it's all about me, me, me. And what I found a lot of times in church is people go to church with that same mentality And I'm a pastor, so I see people come, I see people go. And sometimes people go for the craziest reasons. Like you just want to go, Are you serious right now? But you don't, because we're loving. We're like, Bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. We'll pray for you. It's good. I get it. But sometimes it's over such little miscommunications, or You didn't fulfill or tick my boxes, or I really wanted you to say it like this. It's like, Well, I'm probably not going to make you happy all the time. That's just not how it works. But how many know this? How many, how many of you are from a family? All of you raise your hand. If you exist, you're from a family, whether you like it or not. How many would say that every time you get with family, it's amazing and you love it? Wow, no hands. But how many know you're still part of that family? Same thing in church. I might say something, I might miss something, I might not say hi to you one day. I'm a human being, I go through things you know you might feel like oh they let me slip through the cracks and and we live in a culture that just it's so thin-skinned on things listen the kingdom is all about us working together not total agreement and sometimes going to mess up but listen if I mess up or you feel like I've treated you wrong or say something for any of us in here I think we're open to this let us know I'm not below you know above apologies I'm not uh, uh, you know above saying I'm sorry But that's what it's all about. And so because of that culture, sometimes people just hop around and they leave because, well, I had a bad experience or I had a bad feeling that Sunday morning. And so you don't give community a chance. Maybe you've truly been burned. I know some people that it's legit. They've been taken advantage of. They've been controlled. They've been burned. And I get that. But that's not the body of Christ. That's not every local church. And so I encourage you, It's time to build. It's time to link arms together. It's time to be a community. It takes effort on all sides. So I want to, I'll say it in a nice way. I want to invite you. But those of you who need to hear this, I want to challenge you. So you're either invited or you're challenged. You can accept it however you want. But we're building something here at Faith City. We really are. We're building a kingdom culture that I believe there's a lot of great churches around here, but there's not really one like us, which is great because this is a particular body of Christ. And uh, with a certain leading, it doesn't mean we're better than anyone else. But listen, if you're into this culture of God's love first, of this sufficient grace, of not being manipulated or controlled in order to do things, but being inspired by love to do things, then this may be the place for you. We're building a community of believers who believe in reaching outside of these four walls on learning and growing together in our relationship with God and others. And so I want to make this invitation or this challenge, however you want to accept it this morning, is take the next 12 weeks, we'll call it the 12-week invitation or the 12-week challenge, attend this church every weekend for 12 weeks. It's about three months. I know what you're thinking is like, man, that's tough. I don't, how can I do that? Well, we'll get this. You know, there's 168 hours in a week. Did you know that? A Sunday morning service is about an hour and fifteen to an hour and a half. If you volunteer, maybe two and a half hours out of 168. And I know sometimes we have to, we have to reprioritize stuff. And it's like, well, pastor, is that be God to love me more? No, 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 no. It's not about that. It's about us saying, okay, I'm going to take this challenge. I'm going to make this a responsibility because I want to hook in somewhere where I can discover my purpose, where I can grow, where I can join my roots with someone else. When adversity comes, guess what? I won't have to blow over because I've got a community that's with me, that's praying for me, that's behind me. Not only that, as I grow, I can take this kingdom life out to the world. It's a beautiful thing. If you come for 12 weeks, it gives you a chance to hear the church's vision. I often say this, that one service, one visit isn't gonna do it, right? And I get it, people visit, they're trying to look for something that's understandable. But it's really important to see that as you come back, you'll know more and more of the church's vision. You'll meet the leaders, you'll begin to know the people, you'll begin to understand the heart of the ministry. And once you understand the culture of a church and meet some people, you'll more than likely wanna get involved by serving, by inviting others, by becoming a part of a small group or taking classes, which we'll have some coming up. I often tell people, there's like, you have small yeah, small group, some, yeah, Sunday morning, right here. It's your small group. But we have things, you know, for the men, uh, getting some stuff together for the ladies. We have different things we can do. This community expo is one of those ways that we can minister together. But you want to become part of something that's bigger than yourself. And if you make Faith City Church your home, Make a decision to jump in with both feet. This is my church. I'm going to commit. I'm going to do this. And the word commitment's not a bad word. In fact, it's right in line with grace. Because, you know, some people have gone so far with grace, they're like, I don't got to do nothing anymore because it's the grace of God. Well, I get it. But commitment's not a bad thing. I'm committed to my wife. Is that a bad thing? I don't feel it's law. It's grace. I love her. I'm committed to her. Yeah? Don't sit on the sidelines. Let's get involved and do this together. Will you stand with me this morning? You guys receive that? You know I'm not mad at anyone at all. I'm just seeing how important it is from this place, from leadership, to be intentional because I'm all about the love of God and His grace. Like it's, it's the biggest thing that's radically changed my heart through all these years of serving God, following Jesus. It's done radical things in my life. But I'm realizing that how do you know what to do or how to hook in or the importance of it unless we say so? And so that's why this series, I Love My Church. Why do I love my church? It's the place for worship, a place I can connect, right? with God. It's it's a place for community where I can literally have this community of people that I can join together with and do better in this world which will bring you true fulfillment. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much for your grace and your love in our life. For a lot of us it has just honestly it's kept us followers of Jesus Some of us, maybe we follow religion for so long and we were just so fed up, so burned out, we didn't know. And then your saving love and grace came at just the right time. And now we're here, serving in the kingdom, loving people, spreading the kingdom and the good news because of that relationship with you, that connection with you. I pray that for every person this morning that's heard this message or even later on in the broadcast, they would understand my heart. They would understand your heart. But maybe this is the time they've been searching. They've been looking. Maybe they've been attending Faith City for many years, but they're looking for opportunity to hook in, to be part of a community. To not just run in and race in on a Sunday and race back out as soon as service is over, but to literally build relationship, build something that's greater and bigger than themselves. I pray that heart change is beginning to transpire this morning. We're beginning to see the vision of why we're here and what we're to do. Say this with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Holy Spirit, I'm open. I'm open to you. Is there a place for me at Faith City Church? I know there's a place in your kingdom, but is there a place for me at Faith City Church? And Holy Spirit, I'll be obedient to your voice. If this is the place, I'll hook in. If it's not, I'll keep looking. But ultimately, I want to be a kingdom person. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.